In a year-end interview with True North, Conservative leader Pierre Polyev rejected, quote, perverse incentives for illegal immigration after the Trudeau government promised amnesty. Deputy Prime Minister Christian Freeland confirmed she plans to run in the next federal election and even predicted a liberal win with Justin Trudeau as leader. The Trudeau government announced that all new cars will have to be zero emissions by 2035. Hello Canada, it's Tuesday, December 19th, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Cosman Georgia. And I'm Noah Jarvis. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. Conservative leader Pierre Polyev is saying that lawbreaking should not be rewarded following Immigration Minister Mark Miller's promise to offer illegal immigrants a pathway to legal residency. Miller said in an interview last week the federal liberal government was putting together a broad and comprehensive program that would allow immigrants who arrived in Canada illegally to acquire permanent residency. In an exclusive interview on True North's Andrew Lawton show, Poiliev rejected systematic illegal immigration. Miller's proposal would aim to regularize the status of individuals who entered Canada illegally and those who entered legally but overstayed their visas. He acknowledged the divisive nature of the policy but said this just means there is a need for a greater conversation as a country. The year-end interview between Poiliev and Lawton also covered inflation, immigration's effect on the housing crisis, and the Israel-Hamas war. You can watch it now on www.tnc.news. So Noah, I think until Poiliev puts out a fully-fledged plan on his own immigration targets, how he plans to tackle illegal immigrants overstaying their visas, but also the refugee and migrant crisis at our borders, it's hard to take the conservative leader at his word. Because simply, that's all this is right now. These are just words without a plan and a clear vision on those targets and the number of people we're going to be letting in each year. uh, There's honestly not much else but air. Noah, were you satisfied with Poiliev's response to questions related to the immigration crisis? Uh, Not completely, Cosman. I mean, uh, Poliev on the immigration issue has notoriously been dodging questions when it comes to specifics uh, regarding immigration targets. He talked about how uh, the Trudeau government has been setting their immigration targets arbitrarily, and that is a bad thing. Okay, that's fine. But he he won't answer any questions straight up uh, whether or not he would, as prime minister, drop immigration levels, which is uh, quite concerning. I mean, we do have a housing crisis, uh, partly as a result of uh, mass immigration, and we have serious uh, social concerns uh, from Canadians, uh, Canadians who have been here for many, many generations, and and Canadians who have only been here for uh, maybe a couple generations. Uh, All these types of Canadians have concerns about our current immigration system and the fact that we are having a hard time integrating uh, many of uh, these immigrants. So, no, I have not been uh, completely satisfied with his answers. Although I will say that uh, as a political leader, he probably does not want to reveal his entire 
immigration plan as the liberals could just copy what he does. They, the liberals still have uh, two years in power. So anything that Polyev suggests, the liberal government can just adopt and claim to be their own policy. But the end, at, the, at the end of the day, I think we should value transparency from our political leaders. And I don't think Polyev is being completely transparent when it comes to his immigration plan. Deputy Prime Minister Christian Freeland confirmed her plans to run in the next federal election and even predicted a liberal win. Freeland, who has been a member of Parliament since 2013 and a member of Trudeau's cabinet since 2015, deflected questions about her ambitions for the Liberal Party's leadership. Recent polling by Ipsos shows that 72% of Canadians think Trudeau should step down as party leader. Even 33% of Canadians who plan to vote Liberal want Trudeau to step down up from 28% in September. Of all the potential replacements, Freeland received the most positive reviews in the poll. In an interview with CTV, Freeland said that the Liberals can absolutely win the next election. Freeland said, quote, I am also absolutely supporting our Prime Minister, who is leading our team doing a really, really great job. Facing questions about her political future after a decade in office, speculation had arisen about Freeland possibly pursuing an international role in post-politics. However, when queried about these prospects, she firmly stated her intention to continue her political career in Canada. So, Cosman, it seems as if Christian Freeland is trying to do a little bit of damage control on behalf of her prime minister. The Trudeau Liberals have been tanking in the polls, uh, and this has resulted in a lot of uh, Trudeau's uh, MPs to become restless uh, with the prospects of a coming election. So, do you believe that Freeland is just running damage control for the Liberals and that she actually does have intentions to step aside from politics? Uh, for a uh, role in international post-politics? Or do you believe that uh, Freeland is being uh, honest and that she does actually intend to fight another election alongside Prime Minister Trudeau? Well, look, I think it's difficult to sniff out the true motives of politicians, especially a member of cabinet. But I, I, I question some of the things about this poll. I, I honestly don't think that Freeland has the most positive image out of all potential replacements uh, to Trudeau. She's totally caught up in everything that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau did, all of the negative things, including the, the pandemic handling, the Emergencies Act. She was part of that inner circle of a few people who are very close to the Prime Minister and essentially enabled him and consulted him to take this path and look where he is right now he is very unpopular and I suspect Freeland carries very much of the same reputation and if she were to run for the leadership she would have to contend with that and especially if she were to run in a general election uh, for the position of prime minister it would come with a lot of baggage so the liberals uh, in my eyes, would have to look at an outsider, uh, somebody with a fresh image, somebody who is not implicated in all of these debacles that the government, you know, whether it comes to like ethics violations, all of the spending scandals, all of those need to be set aside and the party would have to do a hard reset. So I really doubt that she received the most positive reviews from Canadians uh, for these exact reasons. 
You're right, Cosman. Freeland has, is directly implicated in a lot of the Trudeau government's worst uh, policies, some of the policies that has been making Canadians the most frustrated. I mean, the Trudeau government's fiscal policy running up a extremely large uh, deficit, uh, the inflation, uh, just the poor GDP growth, uh, poor GDP per capita growth. Uh, yeah, Freeland is uh, implicated in a lot of the worst uh, Trudeau policies that has been making Canadians frustrated. Uh, this reminds me a lot of the end of Brian Mulroney's uh, second term where uh, his popularity plummeted and the PCs, uh, they tried to find someone uh, and they've eventually uh, picked Kim Campbell, uh, who was not directly implicated in many of the big policy initiatives that had frustrated uh, a lot of Canadians in the Brian, Brian Moroni government. I mean, uh, as you know, you can see by the 1993 election results on Wikipedia or something, you can see that it didn't really exactly work out for the PCs. Uh, but perhaps, you know, if the Liberals did decide to, or Trudeau did decide to move on, uh, picking someone who isn't directly uh, implicated in uh, Liberal government policy uh, to the extent that Freeland uh, is, I think, would be smart. Yeah, and I, th I think with Freeland, she was also like masterminded many of the policies, especially on the economic side. And to me, my view of Freeland has always been that she's very committed to the, you know, sort of liberal internationalist ideas in vogue right now. You know, she was a member of the World Economic Forum. She has promoted all of these ideas about immigration and how Canada can be just this open society. And she's she's just somebody who is, to me, totally establishment. So with that said, she also has very many avenues to pursue after her political career is over. She could go to essentially anywhere. She would have her pickings. The Trudeau government announced that all new cars will have to be zero emissions by 2035. Under the new rules called the Electric Vehicle Availability Standard, Ottawa aims to ensure that the Canadian market will have an ample supply of electric vehicles to lead by example as a country that is moving towards electrification, the source told Reuters. Both British Columbia and Quebec already have provincial sales targets in place. The different zero emissions vehicles include plug-in, battery, and hydrogen models and will be required to make up 20% of all new car sales in 2026 and 60% by 2030. Despite pressure from the federal government to make EVs more popular, there is growing pushback from Canadian consumers as EVs are known to have more issues of reliability and problems when compared to gasoline vehicles. The JD Power Canada Electric Vehicle Consideration Study found that 66% of Canadians are either very unlikely or somewhat unlikely to consider an electric car for their next purchase, up 13% from last year. The number of Canadians considering an electric car has decreased from 47 to 34%. Last week, leaders of Canada's automotive industry held a press conference to warn Canadians that the push to move towards all vehicle sales being electric is premature. 
not only is the move premature, I think it's going to have disastrous consequences because you, on one hand, you can say that we are going to mandate the sale of, you know, all new electric vehicles by this year. But if you do not have a plan to essentially transform Canada's electricity grid to handle everybody having an electric car and having the charging stations across the entire country to enable longer trips and essentially to keep people's lifestyles going, it's going to be impossible. It's going to be a disaster. People will not be able to charge their vehicles on time. There will be huge lineups. It's going to stress the electricity grids. So I, I honestly question what the liberal government is doing here. They seem so overtly committed to their radical green agenda, and they're not even thinking about the realities Canadians are going to have to face. And we just have to be honest, there will be a significant segment of the population that will just refuse to drive an electric vehicle. Many people like driving gasoline cars for lots of reasons beyond just the, you know, reliability of them. Some people just like the sound of driving a gasoline car. They like the feeling behind it. And to assume that everybody can have this blanket approach is bonkers. So Noah, how realistic is this climate scheme? Do you think it will encourage people to opt for more EVs? I don't think the Trudeau government's uh, scheme to have more people purchase electric vehicles is very realistic because they aren't doing the things that is required for people to want to make uh, that switch. Uh, as you mentioned, people just have preference for gasoline power cars. That's what uh, people have known for pretty much all their lives. So it's, it's, it's extremely understandable why people just wouldn't want to make that uh, switch instinctively. And there's also a lot of other reasons why uh, someone wouldn't want to make that switch. On average, electric vehicles are far more expensive than gas-powered cars, and we already are in the midst of an affordability crisis where people are having a very, very hard time purchasing homes. If you do look, just look at comparable homes in the United States, uh, Canadians pay an enormous amount of money uh, for homes. And also there's the fact that Canada does not have the infrastructure to support electric vehicles. As you said, our electric grid would have a hard time supporting uh, electric vehicles, especially during uh, the summer months where people are using a lot of air conditioning, using a lot of energy, and during the winter uh, months when uh, people are using a lot of heat to heat their homes. Also, there's the fact that electric vehicles, they perform worse in cold weather. Uh, it has to do with the battery chemistry uh, that, of the batteries that electric vehicles use. But in, in essence, depending on whatever electric vehicle you have, the range uh, that you're able to drive electric vehicles uh, will be worse and that disproportionately affects people who are living in rural communities uh, and you know the Trudeau government they expect uh, pretty much everyone uh, even people living in rural communities to switch to uh, electric vehicles and that that just is not realistic for a lot of uh, families who are lower income who are just quite frankly not uh, upper middle class or rich uh, and those living in northern or rural communities so it, it is a very poorly 
thought-out scheme, uh, definitely not realistic. Uh, and if they do want uh, people to uh, buy more electric vehicles, they're going to have to take a different tact. The other thing I don't think is uh, discussed enough is how is this going to affect the used car market? Because for a lot of people who are low income, or even if you're just buying your first car, the first thing you opt for is a used vehicle, a used gasoline car. Now, if we stop producing new gasoline vehicles, used cars are going to go up in price because people are going to want to buy them. That's the only thing you'll be able to buy that is gasoline powered if we're going to mandate all new electric vehicles to be zero emission by 2035. So you're going to have all of these dealerships essentially jacking up the prices of used cars because their rarity is going to go up. They're going to be harder to obtain. The dealerships are going to be competing more for these vehicles and we're going to price out low-income people who would have relied on those vehicles to get their basic daily needs done. I don't think this has been discussed. I would like to see what would happen if uh, some projections, once this comes into play, if they're going to actually do this by 2035. And honestly, I think the, the consequences of some of these policies have not been thought out they're just kind of like la la land they're just doing these projections and these ideological schemes without actually thinking about the real consequences right cosman what you're uh, describing is the unforeseen consequences of government intervention into the free market the federal government believes that they can direct people's preferences direct people to make certain purchasing decisions while not affecting the most vulnerable Canadians when it comes to uh, their income. But the fact of the matter is that, you know, as you described, once you phase out uh, combustion uh, engine vehicles, the price of these vehicles are going to go up, uh, thereby squeezing out uh, low-income Canadians from being able to purchase any kind of car uh, whatsoever. And there's just many other unforeseen consequences that you, you just can't account for when you are introducing uh, new policies that would intervene uh, into the market. Quite frankly, it would just be a lot better if the liberals left the free market alone, allowed people to make the purchasing decisions that they want to make. And, you know, qu- quite frankly, I think a lot of Canadians would be enticed to make a make the switch to an electric vehicle on their own because there are the benefits. Uh, there are certain benefits. You don't have to put gas in that car. And, you know, a lot of those uh, cars are quite quick and quite fun to drive so uh, it's not as if you need the government to force people to make that switch Uh, but when you do uh, force people to make that switch uh, with the heavy-handed power of the state you are going to get those negative consequences as a result of that government policy that's it for today folks don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know and make sure to keep an eye out for the andrew lawton show live today at 1 p.m eastern time thanks for tuning in don't forget to share our work with your friends and neighbors and if able please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news 